with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to talk to you this morning. That's what we're here for. To change our mind. To change our mind. I can tell you, you believe some things that aren't true. If you didn't, you'd have it all right now. You'd be walking in divine health and divine life, divine finances. So there's things that you don't know that you need to know. There's things I don't know I need to know. So we're, we're ever learning. Y'all say amen when you get it. Praise God. So, yeah, we, remember, we didn't have Wednesday night. So I've got, I've got all of Wednesday night in me plus whatever I have this morning. Let's stop and just think a minute. We're go, the, the title of my message this morning is, What Could You Do If Money Was Everywhere? That's a valid question. What would you do? Because it has happened to people. Uh, Deborah was telling me that something uh, she saw that, uh, no, she didn't tell me. Some, anyway, that the third largest mega ball, power ball, sunshine ball, bowling ball bowl, I don't know, was, was up and it was gazillions of dollars. And somebody eventually will win that. And for them, they would have to ask the question, what am I going to do if money is everywhere? It's a real question. And if you research that, you'll find out that almost all of them, their lives were ruined, severely altered. They went through a euphoric high. The, the, they were on the top of the world. They were empowered because money makes you more of whatever you already are. But then eventually, because they can't handle it, prosperity can only be handled by the Spirit of God. It came from Him. Prosperity comes from Him. Every once in a while, a fool... Uh, a sinner will trip into some through worldly wisdom because the framework for prosperity is in the earth and they'll trip into it and they'll, get, they'll put some things together. But it's rarely good for them. Money is very, in great quantities, is rarely good for men, both unsaved and Christian. But it's not supposed to be that way. There's a segment of God's kingdom, which is all of us, where we know how to handle money. So when we say, what could you do if money was everywhere? We ought to know the answer to that before it happens. Because the Lord's not sending it where you don't know the answer to that. Oh, I had never thought of that. That's right. The Lord's not sending it except to stewards. People that know what to do when it comes. He's, he's, he doesn't send it to fools that said, I don't know what I'd do. You ought to know what you'll do. So here's the premise in the body of Christ. Here's... Here's what's happened to the church is we we have been fighting battles that the Lord Jesus has already won. If there's anything wrong with the kingdom, the body of Christ, the church, it's because we have engaged and have focused on and attached ourselves to fight battles that the Lord Jesus has already won. That's right. That is the truth. Yeah, amen. That's the truth. And so, well, what's left to do if he's already won all the battles that we're fighting? Oh, that means that we're an occupying force. We, we are not coming in here to fight the fight. The Bible says the only fight we fight, and she was right around it right there a while ago in uh, the offering, was to fight the good fight of faith. That means when it's contrary, when the curse is out there, sin is out there, mean men are out there, 
Sin is out there. The flesh is going off the charts. You have to have the fight of faith to stay right. But that just means you're an occupying force. I'm supplied. I'm healed. I'm at rest. That's what you are. That's who you are. That's what you have. And that's all there is to it. So if we've been fighting a fight that the Lord Jesus has already won, we're messing around. We're not getting done what we're supposed to get done because the fight that Jesus has already won is everywhere. And the world has been fighting it. Spiritual warfare means you're fighting the good fight of faith. You're you're staying in the word. You're staying around people. You're focusing on what keeps you in faith. So if you don't go to church where the word is preached, you're losing the good fight of faith. If you're not in the word, people that have troubles, you know what? You know what the main indicator of people that have troubles that are depressed is they're not in the word. They're not in the word. I said they're not in the word. Well, I read the word. No, you're not in the word. You're not taking it all day. Well, I'm real busy fighting the devil, fighting the flesh, fighting the curse. Well, Jesus has already won all those battles. So we are only fighting as the church to remain and be an occupying force. We maintain his victory. Isn't that good news? And that's who we are. That's what we have. That's what we do. Money is everywhere. I want to talk about money this morning. Got your, got your million dollar bill. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about that in a moment. It's not a real one. But if you can cash it, I'd say cash it and run. <laughs> can you break this bill? Sure. You want that in thousands or half millions? Hallelujah. So money is everywhere. There are more hundred dollar bills in the world. U.S. American currency. There are more hundred dollar bills in the world than there are ones. You don't have very many. You've got mostly ones and, and nickels and dimes, fives and tens. You are, you are not working in the mainstream currency. The mainstream currency in American uh, uh, money is the $100 bill. Haven't y'all ever seen a drug bust on TV? They're not counting ones and fives. So we got to change our thinking. So it's real easy to say, well, I'm a nobody from nowhere. Not going to do anything. I just want to live my life in peace. I just want to take a vacation. I want to have a nice car. I want to get my house paid for eventually. I'll be 70 or 80 years old when that happens probably. But at least I won't leave it to my kids. That kind of thinking is fatal. Fatal to who you are. It's not who we are. So we got to wake up, Michael. Wake up, River Church. Wake up. Because the Bible says the only thing that'll set you free is the truth, knowing the truth. So we are working against the lie all the time. The lie that's been set in us by our parents, by our culture, by authority figures, 
by a default, a desperation that I don't have enough money, I'm sick in my body, my family is off the rails or whatever, and that begins to consume us and take us out of circulation. And it gets us off. Distraction is what you're fighting. If the devil can get you off focus, he wins. It doesn't really matter what it is, but if he can just get you off of who you are, what you have, what you can do, it's good enough. So hang in. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Look, we looked at this last week in verse 10. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. So we, we discovered that the Lord, the Lord gives us seed to sow. Who is us that gives seed to sow? The sower. He's not giving Christians money. He's giving sowers money. People with, that have the intention to plant, he gives them the seed they want to plant. If you don't catch on that I want to plant seed, I just want to make it, I want to accumulate, I want my 401 uh, to be good, and I want that, he is not helping. Multiply your seeds on. He, he ministers seed to the sower. The Amplified says, God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing. Not paying the bills, but for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The Passion says, this generous God who, applies ab who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant toward you. Say, that's me. That's right. First, he supplies every need, plus more. First, he supplies every need, plus more. First, the Lord supplies need, plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it, so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously, as you give generously, as you give generously on every occasion. That's what the Bible says about money. It says more, but that's the foundation. That's the, that's the, that's the mainstay. That's the cornerstone is the Lord's interested in two things, supplying your need and supplying your seed. You go, well, what else is there? Well, there's all sorts of lust and, and uh, desire and pride to be rich, to lord it over people and all that sort of stuff. But he's not interested in that. He wants to supply your need. Now, it takes more to supply your need for some people than other people. If you're in the Philippines or if you're in South Korea or, I mean, excuse me, South uh, Vietnam, it may be that just a bicycle, you're the richest kid on the block. Or you have one of them three-wheeled scooters and you taxi around. You are some kind of yeah buddy in the community. But it might take more th than that for you and me. And then for some Americans, it's going to take even more. Because they have positions or callings or assignments on their life to be a certain thing. And it takes more money to run their lives. But it doesn't matter because we all put our, leg, our pants on one leg at a time. We all eat the same stuff. We both, none of us can eat ice cream every night and not be noticed. <laughs> it's not like I'm rich. You'll never notice I'm eating Bluebell every night. Oh yeah, we'll notice. We, we, we see right through you. Hallelujah. 
So it's simple. If you think God's complicated, you've overcomplicated him because the kingdom is simple. But what we've done is we've let religion, false doctrine, men's pride and justification for how they want to live take over what's the simplicity of the gospel. So my thing last week was I said, position yourself to be in the flow of the already. It's not hard. We don't have to work. We don't have to get in big faith about it. We just got to relax. Point to yourself and say, hey, you, relax. See, way too stressed out in the church. We are way too stressed out for the church. The church is the place where we decompress, where we come to peace, where we find out the truth. We get set free. And we, kept, we, we quit running up down the road trying to give, make something happen, trying to, 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 to outrun the creditor and outrun the doctor and outrun all that. It's not hard. What's hard is to get into that place and stay in that place because we've got the world coming at us from every direction. If you watch TV at all, you know every commercial is crafted to put you in the world system. Every commercial is crafted somehow to put you in the world system. There's an antichrist spirit behind all communication that's in the world. Not because there's a devil in every man or woman that's in that, but because it's secular. It's the world. And then the church has then come by and echoed that. The church is very political. You think the government's political? It's in every strata that does not stop and say no. At River Church, one of our main goals is not be political. He's no respecter of persons. The church should be that way too. Amen. John chapter 6. Please turn there. I, I'm like the bandit. I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. John chapter 6. But I don't mind taking a little extra time. <laughs> That's where they said amen, Lord. Okay, verse 5 of chapter 6 in John, we were refreshing from last week. Jesus lifted up his eyes, saw a great company coming to him, and he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Could be a trick question, you reckon? And this he said to prove him, sure enough, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Let's see. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here. I want to tell you all this morning, there's always a lad here. You may be looking for some rich guy. You may be looking for some company thing. You may be looking for your job or your relatives or whatever, but I'm telling you, the Lord sneaks up best that there's a lad here. There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Should be a period right there. But it's a comma. Well, it's a colon in mine. But then Dodo Brain says, but what are they among so many? So there you have the secular answer to everything that is natural versus supernatural. What is this among so many? What can we do? There's no rationale. There's no logic. There's no natural reason for this to play. It cannot happen. This is impossible. Isn't that what he was saying? 
in so many words? And what are they among so many? So you've asked it a million times in a different tongue, a different language, a different way of saying it. What is this among so many? You've counted when payday comes, how much you're going to get and the bills that are in your, bo your book. And you said, what is that coming on Thursday or Friday among this? We've all been there. You're a liar if you haven't been there because every person goes through that. The world we live in is cursed. It's got a curse on it from the beginning, but we live above the curse. We're new covenant people, so we live above the curse. The power of the seed is immeasurable. The power of the seed is immeasurable. You cannot measure the power of the seed. Any, any natural person, any scientist, any theologian would tell you that's true. They even say you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. Because it's immeasurable. That is the kingdom. If you want to say, what is the kingdom? Give me a, a one sentence about the kingdom. The kingdom is seed time and harvest. Everything, everything, everything. There is nothing that is exempted from being under the heading, the headline of seed time and harvest. It's the kingdom way. In the world, we trade, we exchange our lives, our bodies, our thoughts, our minds for green slips of paper. In other words, we lay down our life in one dimension. We go to work on Monday. And on Friday, we pick up our life in another way. $1,000, $10,000, whatever. We exchange our life. That's the world's way, but that is not the kingdom way. And we're in the process constantly of moving out of that into the kingdom way, which is seed time and harvest. And you got you to know this. And to the measure and level you know this and you operate according to what you know, you'll have success. Otherwise, you'll have success in the world. Like that old story that says, I spent all my life climbing up the corporate ladder and found out I was on the wrong ladder at the top. And that happens all the time. Nobody on their deathbed said, I wish I had worked more at the office. So giving... It's all in the Bible, but giving is the expression of love. God so loved, he gave his only begotten son. How much did God love? He gave. How much did he give? His only begotten son. How much did he love? Everything. So giving is the measure of love. So when we give, like Melissa said, there's always an investment and there's always a return. And only the Lord, only the system knows the motive of your heart. We've all been around the doctrine where churches have said and misquoted, but said money will corrode you, pollute you, corrupt you. Money will do that. And it is true that money makes you bigger or multiplies whoever you are. If you're good, money will make you more good. If you're bad, you'll be bad to the bone with enough money. It's, it's money just multiplies. It does not change. It just reveals. 
who you already are. So prosperity is the evidence of giving out of love. When you give out of love, he gives you more seed to sow. Because giving is love. And when you give, you love. Love can't fail. And love will be replenished. Which means he'll give you more in the expression of the natural. You'll get more seed to sow. He gives seed to the lover. To the sower. He gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the lover. So if you're out of motive, if you're working a system, and lots of people try, and it does work a certain amount, because it's a worldly principle. That, I mean, it's a, it's a kingdom principle being worked in the world. So we've got to get our heart right. Well, love fixes that. I said, when you give out of love, you're fixed. You're right. You're good. Amen. Uh, Second Kings. We'll just go there anyway. We'll just see how it turns out. One time they told me, said, Pastor, somebody told me, said, you, you, you take us over the limit. You preach too long. And I said, well, wait a minute. It's all the people that are in front of me that got their time up front and just left me with 25 minutes. Let me go first and we'll see who runs over. Second Kings chapter four. Let's look in verse one. It's this is important. Second Kings four. This is Old Testament. Things are different in the Old Testament in in that God is in control. The New Testament, God is not in control, but in the Old Testament, he is. Nobody's born again. He's in control. So he's like a parent with young children. So it says in verse one, there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet, saying. Thy servant, my husband is dead and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my sons to be bondmen. You know, that's a hard system back then. And Elisha saying to her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? Say that with me. What hast thou in the house? So let's first person that. What have I in the house? Again, what have I in the house? That's the answer to every problem. Same thing we just saw in John. We hadn't got anything except a lad has brought his lunch. And what is that among so many? What hast thou in the house? And she said, thy handmaid hath nothing, anything, not anything in the house except save a pot of oil. He said, then go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Think big in small places. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door unto thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went for him, shut the door and her, her on her and her, upon her sons, who brought the vessels unto her, and she poured out. She poured out. She poured out. Could it ever be that you and I have seed to sow? We have seed to sow. But because our seed to sow looks like 
bread. In our case, it would be U.S. American dollars or something that's negotiable that we have seed to sow, but it looks like bread. Oh, I, I couldn't touch that. That's my retirement. Oh, we're poor. We, we don't have nothing. Well, what about your 401k, baby? Oh, we don't touch that. That's for someday. Or that's my rainy day fund. Sometimes we have seed to sow, but it looks like bread up here. Oh, my. I remember, and I tell you all all the time, the story of Kenneth Copeland. When he first started out, he was nobody. His mother was good, but he was, he was a ringtail tutor. And, uh, but he went to church, and they went to offering time, and he didn't have anything to give. And, but the Lord said, give. And so he surmised, rightly, that the little pencil that they gave him to fill out his visitor card was his. So he sewed the pencil. And it started a life of one of the most prodigious givers on the planet. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. So there's a direct correlation unto the harvest to the seed. Borrow not a few. Well, however, she may have borrowed everything everybody had, but that's all she was going to get, wasn't it? That's the way it is with you. You have, when people say I have a fixed income, I just about lose it every time. Poor little thing, poor little thing, poor little thing that anybody would say, would have to say, would be decimated to the low level to say, I'm on a fixed income. You are a slave to this secular system, to the world. A fixed income. So what happens if your fixed income gets lower? Well, you're on even less fixed income. I am never on a fixed income. Okay. I am never on a fixed income. Are y'all on a fixed income? Not as long as there's seed to sow. Because your seed is your miracle to provision. It's what jumps out of the norm. It's what jumps out of two plus two equals four. It's what jumps out. I make $1,000 a week and I work two weeks. Therefore, I have $2,000 and I'm on a fixed income. Or I'm Social Security or I'm on a pension or I'm a whatever. You are, you are a testament, a testament against the kingdom of heaven when you say that. Especially... I think I'll get off just a minute, especially the lie that it is against the tither, a covenant man, a covenant woman. To be a tither and embrace poverty, lack, shortage and need is a lie against your own identity and against the lordship of the covenant that Jesus Christ purchased for us by his blood. Money is the evidence of the covenant. Yes. Prosperity proves, in, in a secular sense, it proves that the kingdom has been moved into your behalf. You may not have all you think you want, but revelation is progressive. You just don't know enough. But we're moving on that as fast as we can. So there's a miracle plan for your money. 
Everybody in here makes your money a different way. You have different stories and different jobs. And, but the Lord has empowered you and I to be stewards over his money. The Lord has a cattle on a thousand hills. The gold and silver is his. But he's story after story. He talks about how a master came and gave his goods to servants and said, I got to go. Y'all take care of it while I'm gone. And the, the well done, thou good and faithful servant is always addressed to those that took his master's stuff and multiplied it. So I'm a steward over the Lord's. Whatever he's given me, whatever's in my path, whatever I've sown for and now I reap, I have seed to sow and I have bread to eat. So money is everywhere. Say it with me. Money is everywhere. I'm telling you, there's more hundreds than there are ones. We ought to change. I always try to get change. I used to get change in 20s. Cash your check. You need change to go buy a burger. And, and let me just tell you, just on the pastor's little pet peeve. Men, you ought to be carrying cash. Ladies, you ought to have dollars in your purse. If you don't, you have no expectation of being called on to meet a need and to sow a seed. You should always have money. And I say, this is personal, you ought to always have a 50 somewhere on your person. That's me. That's just me. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord. What makes you rich? The blessing of the Lord. Oh, my, my, my Xerox or my, my Pfeiffer or my whatever, DCH, whatever. No, they don't make you rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he has no sorrow. The Amplified says the blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich. And he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toil. Listen, neither does toiling increase it. So your money does not come through work. It is a means of exchange where we lay down our life in one dimension and pick it up in another. But your money doesn't come, though it may it may swim through that tunnel. It may swim through that lake. It may swim through that river to get to you. It didn't come from that lake or that river. It came from the blessing of the Lord. And if you're without the blessing, then all you have is your strength to go exchange for money. And that is a pitiful place. What does Luke 6.38 say? Barry's fixing to shine it on you. No, I didn't give him that scripture. So you know what it says. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down. Okay, let's, let's say it together. Give, and it shall be given to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto my bosom. For with what measure I measure withal, it shall be measured again unto me. That's a paraphrase, that one. Hallelujah. So the measure you measure is how it's measured back. Given, it shall be given. It didn't say work. There is a scripture that says if you don't work, you don't eat. 
That's to keep us all employed. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, please. I'm going to help you this morning by getting you to look at the Word of God about who you are and what you have and what you can do. We're not afraid. We're not afraid to be rich. We're not afraid to have a supply. We're not afraid to be big givers. We are afraid of being little givers. We're afraid of tipping God. Do not tip God. If it's all you got, put it in. But if but if but if you got a pass, you got a wad of cash and you pick out one. Just just. Well, never mind. That's all I'm going to say about that. Hallelujah. I mean, we're no, it's not. <laughs> I want to tell you all who we are. You go, well, we know all this. I am so glad you do. But broadcast doesn't know anything. Sorry about y'all. Chapter 8, look in verse 1. Okay, we're going to look at a verse here. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God bestowed. The grace of God. There is a grace of God bestowed on River Church. Amen. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we'd hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. We could talk there for quite some time. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so would he also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, here it is, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, and diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Did y'all catch that? We want to abound. He wants us to abound in the grace of generosity. The Bible says, be sure and don't leave this one out. I speak not by commandment, but occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Let's see where I'm supposed to go to. Let's see. And for we know here we are. Here we are. The covenant scripture for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. So here we have identification. Jesus identified with who we were, the curse, so that we could identify with who he is, the blessing. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. So he's gonna, he's gonna talk to him a little bit about some slacking that therefore performed the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. So just because we change our mind about something the Lord's told us to do, doesn't mean the Lord's always changed his mind. 
And you can make it up. In the Old Testament, it talks about if you don't tithe on time, you have to add a fifth to it. So if you owe $100 in tithe, I say, oh, I mean, if that's the tithe. He said, if you don't give it and then you come to yourself and say, ah, I didn't give it. He said, well, 20% interest will be just fine. Did y'all know that? And if there, first, if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. So I, I can hardly tell you as pastor how many times people have come up to me quietly and said, I'm on something right now. I'm investing everything I got in it. We're pulling this string as hard as we can. And someday, pastor, I'm going to be the biggest giver in this church. And then you go and look, you ask, and they didn't give anything. Well, they're eating. As long as you're eating, you're tithing. Well, we didn't make anything. Did you eat? I know farmers. They plan it with their tax preparer, their tax advisor, so that they can show the IRS that they didn't make anything. What you do is you're going to make $100,000 at the end of the year. So you just go and buy capital items. You buy a tractor and a combine and a plow and expense all that away. Someday it'll catch up with you if you ever cash out. But for today, you're good. And so they show their IRS thing. They show their 1040. said, I didn't make any money. But they ate and they drove and they ate and they drove and they bought a new couch and they drove and they ate. Ah, and I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality, by an equality. Now we're going to see something in the word here that how the Lord thinks, but by an equality that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Let's see. I've got a verse about that. Oh, yeah. The New English says, as scripture has it, the man who got much had no more than enough. And the man who got little did not go short. Now, would y'all believe, contrary to what we've heard in the church, that the Lord isn't really about making some of us stand out as rich and others as not very rich. He likes equality. He's no respecter of persons. But now your need may be different from your life to somebody else's. If you're going to uh, uh, use your wealth for the kingdom, you're going to have to have some. But if you're not, you don't have to have much. He said here that uh, they that gathered much had nothing over and he that had gathered little had no lack. Lack. Verse 15. But it says, as it is written. So I want to look in Exodus 16, where as it is written. Do y'all have time for this this morning? Yes. It'll change your life. In chapter 16 of Exodus, Exodus means the coming out. They were all running away from Egypt, going to the land of promise. And when they did that, the Lord had a plan to go over there in about 11 days. But as y'all know, it took a little longer than that because they didn't do right. They, they weren't in faith. So in chapter 16, verse 16, the Lord starts having to have a food, a soup kitchen, so to speak. He's, they're in the wilderness. And they're moving all the time. 
So there's no crops, there's no cattle, there's no whatever. So he devises a way to feed them. The Lord's always a devising a way to meet your need. And here's how he did it then, but there's a pattern here. This is the thing which the Lord had commanded, speaking about manna. Gather it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. An omer was about two quarts. Take ye every man for them which are in the tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing left over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. What does that mean? It means don't gather four omers and say, I'm going to beat the rush in the morning. We're not going out because we got us four omers versus two omers. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not with Moses, but with some of them left of it until the morning. And it bred worms and stank. Don't have no stanking thing in your house. It'll mess up everything in the refrigerator. And Moses was wroth with them. He was T.O.'d. And they gathered it every morning and every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he saith unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that ye will bake today, and seeth that ye seeth, and that which remaineth over lay up for yourselves to be kept until the morning. What does that mean? said there's going to be twice as much on Saturday, or in this case, Friday. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses made, and it did not stink, and neither was any worm therein. Y'all know what happened when they did it before. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today is shall, ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day to gather. Y'all know those people? And they found none. And the Lord saith unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the Sabbath. Well, we're not under that law in the sense of they're going to put you, you're going to take a stick to you if they catch you out there working on Sunday. But the principle of the Sabbath, and I digress here, the principle of the Sabbath, Sabbath never went away. You got to have a Sabbath. I have to have a Sabbath. I don't take it on Sunday, but it doesn't matter because we could meet on Saturday. We could meet on Tuesdays. The only reason we meet in church as a Christian church is because of our culture. Now, you'll find the Seventh-day Adventists and some other things that say it's the Sabbath and that all of us Protestants are crazy loopy from not meeting on Saturday. But it's culture. It doesn't matter. We're free. We can worship any day. We should worship every day. So we're not beholden to that. But we are beholden to the principle of the Sabbath, we ought to take a day of rest. 
And just be, what does Galatians 3 say? Uh, Stand fast in the liberty whereby Jesus Christ has made you free and be not entangled with the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't, don't use loopholes to circumvent the principle. Don't say, I don't have to tithe because it's under the law. You can tithe under the law. You can tithe under the law and have to get every dime and dollar and get it on time and have no heart for it whatsoever and completely miss the opening of the windows of heaven. You'll just be someone that loves God who is separated from their money. But it won't work for you. Enough of that. Um, so here's what he's saying to us. The resurrection sees you and I as rich. Second Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace that he became poor that we through his poverty might be rich. The resurrection sees you as rich, very supplied. So why, here's the question. I'm going to, this is the sermon. This is the message. Why are you spending your life trying to get more than you need? I'm not saying that, you, that, you, that you're in that, but why do we have an aspiration an inspiration, a, a, a hope someday, if I could just be rich, my problems would be over. Problems are the real result of not having God supply your need. Faith to have him supply your need and give seed to the sower is what he promised. And it is more than enough to satisfy. He's not stingy. If he commands you and I to be generous... He must first be generous. If he commanded us that if when your son asks for an egg and you give him a serpent, how much more is he not going to give us just enough? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are all these things? All these things that the Gentiles seek. Well, yeah, buddy, they're after everything. They're after everything. And they're, they're spending their whole life going after everything. He said, and all these things the Gentiles seek shall be added unto you. So he's going to take care of you without you even asking. If you're believing him to supply your need and give seed to the sower. Anything outside of that, on the other side of that wall, is lust, greed, envy, jealousy, strife. You're wanting to get ahead. You're wanting to compete. You're wanting to compare. You're wanting to be, look at me. Look at me. Well, if you'll just do it God's way, they'll all look at you. Did you hear that? If you'll do it God's way, they'll all look at you. Hallelujah. So what would you do if money was everywhere? Number one, you'd meet your needs. Whatever that means. If, is your need to have a 401k? Bless God, get a good fat one. I'm going to the extreme here. What, what is your needs? Well, we, we need a new car or a good car or a good house. We need our house paid for. That's my need. Are y'all here? Yes. He, he likes your needs. Well, that's, that's a want. That's not a need. 
We're not talking about just having breakfast and then there being no food in the cupboard of the refrigerator and we're having to believe God for lunch. We're not talking about that. Your needs. As the Gentiles seek, your needs. So if you just want to jet set around the world just so you can go to rock concerts and, and snort a little, little powder, you know, those people, you're probably going to be off his need list. I'm being facetious though. Y'all, y'all missed that. Hallelujah. So the second thing that we're going to be, if God has, if, if money is everywhere, is we're going to sow like an uncommon man and an exceptional woman. Now, nobody's ever seen a real million dollar bill because they don't make them. Matter of fact, here, I've got a $500 bill. They don't make those either. I've got a $1,000 bill. They don't make those. I've got a, a $5,000 bill. They don't make those. And I've got a $10,000 bill. Guess what? They don't make those either. But if you stack up enough $100 bills, you can pay your way into anything and out of anything. And if you have one of those black credit cards, I've never seen one, but I've seen them on TV. All you do is just kind of have to wave it out there and they say, yes, sir. Seat at the front. But this figure here, I've got two of them on my filing cabinet. I look at it all the time. So every once in a while I have to move it because it's like a house on the street with your street with a red door. That one day you drive slow and you see it for the first time and it's been there 20 years. Sometimes you have to stop and move this so that you see what this is. The word says in Romans 12 about the paymaster. That he supplies a paymaster. Not everybody is a paymaster. But I think it's not because God, heaven says no. I think it's people just don't aspire to it. I'm aspiring. I'm aspiring. He has met my need, but I'm, I'm asking him for seed to sow. The way you ask for seed to sow, I got him. Okay, everybody look, it's a big bug. It's a big brown bug. The way you get seed, the way that you ask God for seed to sow is you sow the seed you have. You go, here I am, I'm a sower. What makes me a sower? What makes anybody a sower? Seed. So you, every time you get a seed, you sow it. So he just starts cranking up the machine faster. Okay, we got Michael Ray down there. He's sowing everything we've sit, been sending him. We need to give him a little more seed to keep him to being a sower. And soon you change your life. R.G. Letourneau lived on 10% and gave away 90. I think there's men everywhere that are doing that or some measure of that. I got to quit. I wasn't through. Oh, I can't quit. Generous. Generous. It's a mark of the Lord Jesus. It's a mark of the believer to be generous. To be fearless about your money, your supply, your, your bread basket. To take no thought. Jesus said in Matthew 6, take no thought. 
what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, and what ye shall put on. Take no thought. There's always a miracle attached to money. If you, people want to see miracles, you know, rise and be healed and, and uh, hands on their eyes and they could see. Boy, we're, we're all about that. But if you want to, that, that's going to take a public forum. That's going to take you meeting with someone. But if you want a miracle in your life, get your money out. I suggest could be, might not be, that those kind of miracles follow bold giving. So the purpose is everybody in here should have at least an aspiration to give this as a seed. It's a $500 bill. Like I said, there are none. But I can tell you where you can order them. We ought to have given in our lifetime a $500 bill or a $500 check or five one hundreds or 1050s at one time. There's something about it. First time it happened to me. Something came over me. It's like my world didn't end. Darkness didn't start coming in around us. The walls didn't close in. And I still had money. The key is, is I did something that was bold for me at that moment. And I still ate that day. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Nothing like, oh, we're going to we're going to beans and rice now. Nothing changed. Then one day we gave a thousand dollars in one offering. You ought to have this on your hit list of sowing a thousand dollars in your lifetime. When y'all get that, say amen. Whether, whether you agree or not, just say that, that's probably noble. That's probably right. You may have to stretch from 500 to 1,000. And then here's one. It's 5,000. I don't know who has money to give 5,000. Oh, lots of people have 5,000. But it's in a special account, a special fund. It's in a special this. Oh, I remember one time I had a 1980 Chevrolet Suburban. It was the pride of my life. Now, y'all may think who, who would care. It was beautiful. And we'd got it. It was paid for. And two weeks later, Debbie's grandmother said, we want to go to PTL and we want to take our friends. And we can't go with our friends unless we have something to drive. Can we drive? And, it, you know, it had 800 miles on it. And they took it to North Carolina. <sighs> we ended up selling that and sowing it in the kingdom. The Lord said, go to Lubbock and ask $8,000. And I was not much of a negotiator then. And I walked out with $7,900. And somebody tore into me. <laughs> she said, 8000 Anyway, that's another story. Here's 10,000. How many of y'all, nobody raised their hand, would like to have it in their eternal record that they reached down inside and sowed $10,000 in obedience to Holy Ghost? I do. 
I do. And that's the reason that we're allowed to accumulate. Because if you, if you give it off, if you, if you give it off every time you get $100, you, you give it all and have none, you can never accumulate 10000 But you've got to have a seed-sowing attitude. And then here's a biggie. It's the, hundred, it's the million. My intention, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying, because I have, I have no access to anything, but I'm just saying, go big or go home. This is a million dollars. Now, I, I can tell you there's people that are sparking in their spirit right now over this money, over the 10,000. I'm not offending you because I'm not asking you to do anything. We're not receiving anything this morning. We're asking all of us to give into the Wilsons. But if you don't, we don't care. It's their faith. Whenever a speaker comes to River Church, it's their faith for the offering. I'm not responsible for anything. We just, we just open the people up to them and say, you, we're going to receive an offering for you. But if you don't get enough, it's on you. God supplies your need. Let's all relax in our money this morning. I'm relaxing. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. That means I'm in faith about my money, about my supply, about my seed. I'm in faith. I can't make it happen. I have no access to any funds or any, any invention or anything like that any more than you do. But the Lord said, what do you have? And Go gather vessels, not a few. So I'm sowing all that I have. You ought to sow to a limit that makes you kind of take your breath away. They say Holy Ghost giving. I've heard this. They say Holy Ghost giving is when you give it and when you get home, you go, what have I done? That's when you know you reached out there. Amen. Well, Lord, we thank you this morning for Holy Ghost infecting and then still vaccinating us to kingdom living. We want to live on earth as it is in heaven. We want to have the attitude of our father. And Lord, it, we all love to give out of somebody else's purse. So if you'll give seed to the sower, we'll start giving out of your purse. And we'll give and give and give. And we will see that you will replenish and give and restore. Thank you, Lord, for living on the edge. And then when we meet the edge, living on another edge, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.